seated. No, you can stand up if you want. Just don't get in the way of the people behind you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, band. Thanks, Daryl, for uh, leading us uh, to, to a place of um, drawing together in, in surrender unto God. Um, I want to invite the children, um, uh, kindergarten through third grade, you're invited to children in worship right through that door there. And uh, those children that go in there, they, they should. The, this, this works every Sunday, and they should be back um, uh, when we finish uh, somewhere um, here or back in that, just in that room right there um, when they're leaving you. Um, so for some, that, that's a great relief, and for others, that might be a disappointment. But just want you to know, it's just for the hour. Well, we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark uh, this summer. Um, and uh, this is the last of that series. And we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 14. And, uh, um, and, and throughout, try to weave a couple other um, just references from the rest of the, the Gospel as it um, relates uh, to um, uh, the, the passage for the day, um, and it's it's one where um, we'll see here um, some odd lovers of Jesus, uh, you know, not what we would expect. You know, and you can imagine you you've seen situations where it's, we would say there's strange bedfellows there, strange friendships that form, and got a picture of a couple of those or three of those here. Um, one here is Bubbles and Bella. Um, uh, uh, Bella is the, the one in the water, um, or Bubbles, I'm sorry, is the one in the, the water. And Bella is, uh, the, uh, black lab there. And this is an African elephant and, uh, likes to use, um, Bubbles as a diving board. Uh, but, uh, uh Bella was, uh, rescued elephant from ivory pot, pot, or Bubbles was, and Bella took to a, um, a park in Kenya and Bella was uh, one of the, the dogs of um, the um, person that ran the park and they hit it off into a very odd, strange, but beautiful friendship. Uh, another one here, um, Anjana um, with uh, Mitra and Shiva uh, there, the, the, the two uh, um, uh, the two cubs, actually you only see one here, um, but they were separated from mom because of Hurricane Hannah um, and and so... Uh, the chimpanzee, and, uh, and was one of the caregivers uh, for them. And then last, uh, we have uh, Kate and Pippin. Um, uh, the, uh, Kate's the Great Dane, and Pippin is the, the, the deer, um, who somehow separated from mom and raised by Kate and, and others. But some strange, strange friendships, some odd lovers. And yet when we see that um in the Gospel of Mark as well. Strange connections with people that we wouldn't expect to be connected to Jesus. Um, and the people that we do expect to be connected aren't. Um, what we see throughout the Gospel, and we'll see in our passage today, you know, the, the religious leaders, the, the chief priests, the, the scribes, the, the conservative theologians and the progressive real, uh, theologians, whether they're the Sadducees or the Pharisees, all of them you, you'd think would be the ones that would 
you know, come alongside Jesus and befriend him, yeah, and f- really adore him and, and love him, or even his his closest friends and disciples, even even in their loving and following him, we we see many ways that they miss it. They they miss um, they they're, they're sleeping when they're supposed to be praying. They're denying him when Jesus is hanging on the cross. They're the ones that are betraying him in, in the end. And yet, then we we find um, throughout the 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 story here that that Mark gives to us of Jesus uh, some again some odd lovers. Um, just back in chapter twelve, verse forty one, for those that like to um, take notes and go back and look at that, we find an elderly poor widow who only has two coins to her name, and yet she comes. And drops those in the offering plate and Jesus celebrates her gift and receives her adoration and trust. At the, after what we look at today, really towards the very end of the story that Mark's telling us here, um, we find really the only person in the end that says positive things about Jesus is the Roman guard, an enemy, an enemy soldier. In chapter 15, verse 39, who is the one who proclaims that Jesus is the Son of God. You also see at the end of chapter 15, again, the very end of the story, one of the members of council, not um, Joseph of Arimathea, he, all the, the rest of the council was working against Jesus. Joseph, though, was brought in secretly. He seeking the kingdom, and he grew deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. And he's the one that took his body from Pilate and put him in his temple. And there were, and then a, a, a group of women that stayed true to Jesus and adored him, even thinking they were going to adore his dead body. Um, uh, you see that at the end of chapter 15. Odd lovers, each one. Not what we would necessarily expect. And in our passage today... We're going to find an unnamed woman crashes the party. I mean, she crashes a man cave in order to give a lavish, opulent, extravagant adoration of Jesus. A strange, unexpected, odd lover. It's in uh, Mark chapter 14, starting with verse 1. It's on 826 in your pew Bible, or you can... Follow along on the screen. Let's uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks again for your um, written word, your living word, and we pray that you will be at work in, in us together as we look at this part of the story together and we are um, overcome with adoration for you. Um, uh, help. Show us in this time what holds us back and lead us to, to further simply adore you, to love you in heart, mind, soul, and strength. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, um, Mark chapter 14 starting with verse 1. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priest And the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. 
For they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why was the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you. And you can show kindness to them whenever you want. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we start off with the religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes. And we, at least I expect folks like that, they they should be celebrating Jesus. They they should be the ones coming and falling at his feet and rejoicing at his coming. Because these are the the folks that love and serve God, who who, who want to to follow God with heart and mind, soul and strength. They are are serving Yahweh um, together. And, And yet... Throughout the story, those religious leaders, they, they, they miss God right in front of them face to face. Jesus tells them along the way, you know, that you don't know the scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. Tells him at another occasion, you're too busy maintaining the religious traditions of the day. You're too busy focusing on the, the human aspects of things and not focusing on the divine. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, those things are necessary. The traditions and things of the day, they're good. As we'll see, a number of good things are, can get in the way of adoring Jesus. They don't love God with their own heart and soul and mind and strength. Seems like they're too focused on the success of the ministry, of staying safe, of keeping the traditions. That they've lost the the joy and the love and the, the freedom. That those are robbed by the worry and the fear and even the anger. I think it's one of the scary tragedies of the whole story, whole scripture. And here the, the religious leaders didn't see Jesus when he was right in front of them. 
Because the church of Jesus Christ is to, is to be a collection of people who are a movement. You know, sold out for living for Jesus. Fully committed to, to loving Him. Growing in a no-holds-barred adoration for the Creator, for the Redeemer, for the Savior. A people celebrating Jesus together no matter the circumstances. I've heard it said that, you know, that uh, groups of people come together and they start a movement. You know, and the church starts as a movement. I mean, the first century, these group of people, they were a motley crew. They were considered a cult. They, they had no power whatsoever. A church didn't own any buildings. Just this group of people who were following after Jesus. It was a movement of people without much else besides the work of the Holy Spirit within them. But what can happen... Over time is that a movement can become, turn into a, a museum filled with monuments where we just remember things gone by, throw parties for the things that did happen and celebrate those until eventually it becomes a mausoleum, you know, which is another name for a cemetery. You know, that it, it dies. And, and it seems like both the scribes, the chief priests, and Judas, you know, they're caught up in the, the competition, the greed, the safety, the self-protection, the being sure what is right, the stopping what is wrong, that they end up getting angry at the extravagant expression of love for Jesus. And again, you know, they, what they come, what they complain about is, hey, you know, this is a lot of money that you just wasted here. We could have used this and spent it on the poor. Well, again, that's a good thing. That's a clearly a good thing, clearly the heart of God and a biblical call to, to take um, resources and be sure to distribute to care for those that are in need. That is a really good thing. But that's not really what these guys here are after. And Jesus sees right through it. Even sort of tells them, you're, you're right, yeah, give to the poor. You can do that whenever you want. Go right ahead. You're totally free to do that now. And then he quotes from Deuteronomy 15. One of the most misquoted uses that uh, is used in the church often. Well, the church will always have, the poor will always have with us, so we'll get to them later. That's not what Jesus is saying. Actually quotes from Deuteronomy 15, which in verses 4 and 5 say uh, that if you obey me as a people, God's saying to his people, if you obey me as a people, then you will care for the poor in your midst and there will be no poor in your midst. So it's probably a statement where Jesus is spotlighting their hypocrisy and that that really isn't their concern. And that they're missing out on the very work of God in their midst. So much so that, that uh, the, this group the, the, that is around, as this woman comes and pours out this perfume on Jesus' head in an act of adoration, that they turn and say, this is a waste of time. What, what you just did was a waste of time and resource. 
you know, last week, um, uh, we looked particularly at how the, the um, Jesus was talking about persecution and opposition and how the, the church will face opposition from outside. And he said, you know, stay awake, stay alert, patient endurance through the opposition from the outside. This passage brings more of the internal opposition within us. And, and how... Inside every one of us, we have a little chief priest and a scribe. We have a little Pharisee that, that holds us back from that full adoration. Just that falling at the feet of Jesus in worship and adoration. I was reflecting on that. I just I thought of you know there's there's times that that I, I want to um, the, the the chief priest inside of me just wants to keep Jesus at a safe distance. You know, I want him to to be on the plane because then the plane's not going to go down. You know, but I don't know if I want him sitting right next to me because then he's going to talk to me. You know, and when he's going to start messing with my life. Yeah, so I can keep them at a safe distance. Other times, as I mentioned this before, you know, I can use Jesus like an app on my phone, you know. When, when I'm in need, you know, I just pop on it. There, there it is. Yes, let me pop, let me get that information or get what I need. Just sort of use him as an app. Or other, t- other times, and this is when it's really dangerous. You know, what, what keeps me from adoring Jesus is because I'm too busy working for him. You know, I'm fulfilling the list of things that are for Jesus instead of adoring him. You know, it's one of the things that I, I say regularly is one of the great fringe benefits of the job is that um, I regularly have to be in church with the church with songs that point me to Jesus with a, a word that points me to Jesus with a people that lead me to adore Jesus and set aside the things that I'm doing for him now it'll be interesting you know, at the end of the month I'm going on sabbatical for three months and one of the things about that sabbatical, it'll be interesting to see what I do on Sundays. You can ask me when I get back, but uh, how, how'd it go? But one of the goals and desires is to set aside the things I do for Jesus so that with part of that time, I can just be with him. Because the tyranny of the urgent, you know, is a chief priest and scribe of the highest degree. That this is about our, our relationship with Jesus maturing, you know, and growing so that it's not about just using him as an app or just keeping him at a safe distance or just doing for him, but really falling in love with him. I mean, all the other things are there too and, and important, but this is at the core. And one, one of the ways um, that I've experienced that personally, meaningfully, is with my own children, who are now, you know, becoming adults. But when they went off to college, what I remember, um, they would, uh, 
call home, which was good. We appreciated them calling home. But usually they called home and it meant I was um, customer service, you know, or technical support, you know, or the bank. You know, I was one of those things. That's what I, I was. Um, recently, things have started to, to turn a little bit. One is, you know, they're... They're, te- they're technical service for me now. I mean, they, they know more how the stuff works than I do. And two of them are out working, making more money than I do. So they're my bank more than I'm their bank. But what, just over the last uh, year or two, what I've been surprised by is their surprise and anger at me. One was, you know, I'm in the middle of a doctoral program. And they found out about that from one of you telling them or something like that. And they're like, Dad, when were you going to tell us you were back in school and you're going on a doctoral program? What what are you doing? You know, what what are you studying? And then the same happened with the sabbatical. They found out from the sabbatical because they read the newsletter. <laughs> uh, like, well, what are you going to do? What's happening? What, what? And I was surprised. I was struck by that, that our relationship is maturing. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get middle-of-the-night phone calls, you know, in the midst of tragedy and all the rest, and I don't mind them as much. But you can just see how the relationship, that they're now saying, you know, we're adults together, and we want to know about your life. In the same way with Jesus. Our getting to know him in order to adore him, to love him, is what this strange, odd lover mirrors for us. I mean, this this woman comes by herself, and we don't know her name or anything else about her, at least as Mark tells the story, in the middle of men takes what is probably a year's salary, which in Cincinnati would be about $52,000. And she's spent this on this, this very extravagant perfume in this probably beautiful um, container, and she cracks it open and pours it on Jesus' head in this lavish act of love and adoration. You know, just without inhibition... She enters the room and pours on Jesus' love. She doesn't come in, in anger. You know, I'm going to show you folks. She doesn't come arrogant and I'll know the way to do it. She doesn't come alienated from anybody else trying to prove a point. She doesn't come assimilated just to fit in. Without inhibition, she adores Jesus. She loves him. Chief priests, scribes, they were concerned about the crowd. Judas, he's concerned about himself, accomplishing his own goals. But she demonstrates the beautiful, purposeful way to waste time and resources adoring, magnifying Jesus. Man, what a waste of a good perfume, they said. A waste of money, a waste of time. This is messy. 
And this is, this is a strange, odd situation too. I mean, because this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe in human form. And this unknown woman comes in to anoint him, Jesus says. This unknown woman, in a sense, comes in acting the part of the chief justice. To say, you are the king of kings and lord of lords. And in the palace, which we're told is a leper's house. So an unknown woman is the chief justice. The palace is the house of a leper. And here, the king, the ruler, the created, the one that created all, is being anointed for death on a cross between two criminals. That is strange. Stranger than strange. The oddity of oddities. Upside down love and adoration. It's not only, we would say, as humans, a waste of perfume, but it's a waste of God. Why would God come to live among us and then just die? No, it's... A wasteful act of adoration. A wasteful act of love of God for you and me. That what he then pours out is his blood. What he breaks is his body. Shed, broken for you and me. But in the midst of that, Jesus tells the the woman... This is a good work. This is, I think the, our translation says, it's a good service. You remember, there's a couple, there's a story a little earlier in uh, Mark's gospel, the rich man who comes to Jesus, calling him a good teacher. And Jesus says, no one is good but God alone. So Jesus has a very high bar for what God, what good is. And he says, responding to God with extravagant, wasteful, lavish love, indulgent love is good. She is obviously mad about Jesus. So for you and for me, you know, what robs us from adoring Jesus? Just wasting some good time with him. How do we continue to grow in that kind of relationship with the living Lord? How do we spend time with Him, invite Him into every part of our lives, spend time with His people in order to just adore Him, to, to love Him? Take time to talk about Him every part of our own lives. To invite Him in. Don't keep Him at a safe distance. I encourage you this week, you really need to journal this week. What are the great gifts of Jesus in your life? And simply give him thanks and adore him. As we, as we sing unto the Lord and the rest of this service, or when we gather, just be seeking, singing not just with mind, but with our soul as well. Not just what we think, but what we feel. And, and what, the, the really, the good news, the, the miraculous good news here is that this, this woman, almost, for, at least for me, she becomes the hero of the whole story besides Jesus himself. Because you see what Jesus says to her? I mean, what, what the chief 
chief, uh, what, what the, the group around her, the group of men around her were saying to her is, you've wasted your time. Jesus is now telling her, no, this is good service. And what you have done will be known around the whole world whenever the good news is proclaimed. What you have done now is of eternal purpose and meaning. All in Jesus is eternal and meaningful. In actuality, she is the only one not wasting her time, being sold out for the eternal one. She's a good reminder to me, how am I too tied to the material world, to my own authority, to my own power, to my own, to even my own goodness? And that those hinder a total surrender and adoration of Jesus. This is miraculous and marvelous that this this, this woman brings everything to Jesus and loves Him. Uh, from the eyes of the world, there's not a whole lot there. But what she has done is good. Amen.